Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The Euros have exploded after an incredible day of action that has seen the world champions go out and Spain have edged Croatia to set up a quarter-final game with Switzerland. I always say there's a lot to talk about, but today more than ever. So, as ever, let's get started. Can't Mbappe deliver. He's denied by Sommer. And Switzerland have done it against all the odds. Yeah, since 2am this morning, we have been treated to an absolute football feast. Two matches into extra time. France going out to Switzerland. Spain edging Croatia in a 5-3 thriller. Uh, David Wiener with you once again. An early disclaimer that if I make no sense today, I make no apologies for it because I've been enjoying too much football in the early hours of the morning, but I have an all-star cast lined up to take me through the next 40 minutes or so. Up to sport journalist Nick Stoll. Good to see you again. Good to see you. What a morning of football. Crazy. Thomas Sorensen and Heather Garriott fresh off the couch, looking as fresh as ever. You're going to steer me through this, guys? We'll try to, Dave. We'll try to. You know, you know I need, you need to help this morning. Steering, yeah. I think. <laughs> it's great to see you on the podcast for the first time in this tournament. You're France. I know you're barracking for them, but you didn't didn't go your way this morning. Such an emotional roller coaster. And you know what? I'm so down that France. I tip France to to win the win the Euros, and I'm so down that they haven't um, qualified through. Confession: How many of us did tip France to win the Euros? <laughs> I think I did as well. I did. Oh. Looks like my Italy is looking pretty good <laughs> right now. I'm now riding the Italy dark horse loophole that I got through. <laughs> Guys, I don't know where to start. Normally on the podcast, we try to look at the big issues. We try to look about what went wrong, what went right. There was just so much to enjoy this morning. Pure theatre, sporting drama of the highest order. Of course, France... France were down 1-0 to Switzerland this morning. They came back 3-1. Incredible performance from their galaxy of stars, Karen Benzema and Paul Pogba in particular. Then we've gone to penalty, extra time and penalties where Kylian Mbappe has missed the decisive fifth penalty. So where are we going to begin? Where are we going to begin, Nick? Take us back to where you want to start this game. What's your lead? What on earth have we just witnessed? I mean, I'm still shaking. I don't know if it's the two coffees that I've had this morning or the these matches of football. It's been incredible. I mean... Pedri's own goal this morning feels like it was four days ago. Uh, What a morning of football. I think this might be the best day of tournament football that I can ever remember. Two games, 14 goals, you know, the drama. How many times did the storyline change as well? At one stage we thought... I can tell you, I wrote three match reports this morning (laughs) and so did Jake Rosengarten, so I can tell you. (laughs) Yeah, and that was the thing. Like, even watching it at home, you're like, oh, the story's going to be Spain have stuffed it up when they were ahead. Oh, what a disaster. Croatia, you know, what finding spirit. Then the story became Spain, wow, you know, they've shown incredible resilience to come back from the 3-3. Similar to France. When Pogba scored at 3-1, game over, Pogba's dancing. You know, France have done it again. They've clicked into gear. Now they're probably going to go on and win it. And now Switzerland have turned it all around and provided one of the shocks of the tournament. How good was Switzerland, Thomas? No, we got to give them so much credit. You know, they came out, you know, they could have easily sat back. I think they came out and challenged France and and they knew their top two with their physicality could really, really push. And we saw Lenglet with the first goal, Seferovic totally outmuscled him. 
got some crosses in the box and, and he finished it off. And I think just the spirit um, you know, that they showed and some substitutions, I think, at the right time. You know, brought some energy on. A little bit of, you know, I think France will be kicking themselves, especially that last goal. Pogba gets dispossessed in the middle of the field. And and that can't happen. They're in the 90th minute. You know, they, they have to be the world champions. You have to see it out. With 10 minutes to go, they're 3-1 up. And then they let it slip. And I think that's that's where the momentum sort of, and, and also the mental side of it, that changed. And that gave you, you could see, I think the, the, the telling factor was just before the penalty shootout. The Swiss yeah. got together. Shaka mm. was there, encouraging, screaming, shouting, and we looked at the, the France players. They were sort of walking around, didn't know where to look. You know, I think it, it was only going one way from that from that point. Picking up what Thomas said, actually, when we were watching the game, you were uh, shocked at France's structure early on that allowed Switzerland to run over them. You were picking holes in that, and then after the goal, similarly, they dropped. Uh, their intensity, almost like they thought Pogba's magnificent goal was going to almost see them through. And uh, in the end, Switzerland took advantage of both those lapses and ran over the top. Yeah, for sure. I, I say it. I say it all the time, and and it's the truth. Big moments and, and moments win your games. And I, I just think uh, the moment where. Obviously, France walked out on the pitch um, before the game. We, we spoke about um, the change of formation. I thought it was a little bit um, premature, especially there's injuries um, within the camp, but you need to stick to what you do. Um, I thought it was adaptability, flexibility, um, personally, but as you saw it, they just didn't get into the game. They didn't understand their roles and responsibilities. The back three stuck as a back three. Um, you didn't see... You didn't see anybody um, push into the midfield um, like uh, in the Swiss back three. Uh, Rodriguez, you know, he'd push into the midfield, he'd overload the midfield and you just didn't see that of the French and, and you knew that the roles, um, they didn't understand their roles. Um, but when Summer saved, uh, sorry, when Loris saved the penalty um, for Rodriguez, you thought that would be the turning point. It was almost a big, big breath of fresh air to say, okay, France are still in this, um, but they just didn't grab it with both hands. And, and it was throughout the match. We just spoke about uh, Pogba uh, dancing at 3-1. Mm. We almost, you know, sitting on the couch, we almost thought 4-1, 5-1. But no, the tenacity and the character of Switzerland. Um, but uh, Pekovic, the, the coach uh, of the Swiss team, must be congratulated. That's a man who had a plan, stuck to the plan, didn't sit back and just continued that not only in the 90, but throughout the, the extra time period and then instill belief in the penalties. That's really interesting what you said about Petkovic. Stephen Lech, Lechsteiner, who's obviously retired from the Swiss national team, has spoken about him in advance of the tournament and said he's a manager who has full faith in his system. Speaking before the game, Arsene Wenger in punditry overseas said, if you've got the plays, the quality of France do, you shouldn't change the system to adapt to opponents. You should have faith in the personal that you had. And in the end, that first 45 minutes, or the time that France has to sp- play, spend playing catch-up, that caught them out. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it's really interesting what Wenger said post-match as well. He said, um, I don't question the team's spirit. Uh, we relied too much on counter-attacking. In this tournament, a higher than usual number of goals are being scored in play construction. We showed very little of that all tournament. Switzerland were effective with that. But we've discussed France on this show, Thomas. There's a little part of me, and obviously you want to see the big teams and the big games come the business in, but there's a little part of me that was so glad to see an underdog nation take it to France, and the France team, the Le Bleu team under Didier Deschamps, has always just done enough, finally got caught out with that reactive style. And even though they did go 3-1 up, they couldn't make it count because of a gallant team that took it to them. 
I think it's been a you know it's a characteristic all the way through the tournament. They haven't been impressive. They've relied on, and that's the arrogance. They've been relied on on those moments, and we saw it again today. Like Pogba's goal, you know Benzema's first goal. What a touch! He he brings it into his and then finishes fantastic. So, and and that sometimes can lure you into oh, we'll, we'll get out of this. And and they actually did at some point, and and we were also oh they're gonna again kick on, but it's been sort of lurking against mm. Hungary. They weren't great, you know. Portugal, ugh, you know, there were there were a lot of lot of games where you know, it, it it wasn't impressive, it, and they never kicked into that top gear that we were expecting. Do you think looking at this game and also looking at Portugal, kind of two similar teams, both stacked with talent, but both very reactive, defensive, counterattack, and relying on those individual players who are amazing, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kylian Mbappe. But with Kylian Mbappe, we see. 12 shots throughout the tournament, not one goal. Do you think it's a bit of a risk for the coach when you say, okay, we'll be defensively solid and these amazing players up front, they'll just bail it out. Do you think that when it doesn't happen, like it didn't happen for Mbappe, that it's too much of a risk for the coach to take? Yeah, I think gone of the day where, where you can rely on the big names and you can rely on the superstars to just um, just score you the goal and, and, and win you the game. It, it doesn't work like that. We've, we've seen that. Um, we've seen that with Czech Republic as well. Just their structure, how sound they are, and having a plan and sticking to the plan. And, and, and we saw that today and we saw that in leaps and bounds. Um, with with uh, Switzerland today, I, I, ju- I just think they had their plan and they didn't sway and, and – Tom spoke about the the substitutions that come on. Out of those substitutions that come on, four of them took penalties. So that is belief within your teams. Mm. That is such an important factor that four of your substitutions has not have not only contributed when they've come on, but they've come on in extra time, been defensively sound, attacking excellent in terms of combination play, but then finished it off to score amazing penalties. So that to me is team belief, team spirit, and a coach that that has taught their team, whatever we do, we do it as a collective. But it, it's a telling, <coughs> telling sign. When you look at the team that's gone through, you know, Denmark, mm-hmm. Czech Republic, mm-hmm. you know, you're looking at Italy, you know, maybe Belgium, but they're all very set. They're, like, they're all very set in, in what they're doing. And some of the teams that have been swapping around, they haven't really done well. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see, you know, a, a Sweden side potentially as well, you know, if they go through, so that's a you know you know a, a telling sign of how important it is. I to feel have like a clear strategy going in. We've spoken. I think a word we've used a bit on the podcast together is identity, mm. and Italy's might be the the most eye catching because it's obviously and probably the most. Um, I guess you don't know whether it's going to hold up at the business end, but the others are so clear, and that was clear today. And and by the way, players that um, before Seferovic's opening goal. That, that was coming. That wasn't a shock, the way they were playing, getting in behind the wingbacks. As you suggested, it wasn't working for France. But Freuler, Xhaka, Granit Xhaka, the, one of the most maligned players in world football. So you've got Paul Pogba in the midfield, who most people are saying is probably probably on the road to win the golden ball, and Golo Kante, who everyone loves, and Freuler and Xhaka absolutely bossed it. Yeah, they totally did. And, and people talk about defences um, win championships and I, I think in terms of today is is the midfield. Let's let's face it, Paul, Paul Pogba, he had has probably been one of the best players for France and he's had a solid game today and his goal just topped it off. But again, the moment of him losing the ball with a mm. couple of minutes to go to lose or for for France to draw and have to go into to uh, extra time right. is a not negotiable, and as as a player of that that caliber, it j- just shouldn't be. Um, 
I think the wash-up to this um, for, for the French team, I, I think the chance is is going to move on. I think we'll see Zidane come in um, as a as an icon of the French team, as someone that's won championships. I think whilst it's a big call, I think that's something that we're going to see. We need change, and he's done his job by winning the World Cup. Um, but, yeah, Zidane's turn, I think. Yeah, I think so, and that's kind of what you're hearing in the French press. The other thing that's kind of interesting that's coming out is they're talking about this guy called Gregory Dupont, who was their fitness coach in 2018, and he was the the one who kind of got them, you know, so fit for that tournament. He's gone to Real Madrid post uh, that success, and now they're saying, "Look, we had injuries. You know, we had players coming on and coming off. We, you know, there, there was they didn't look strong in that final thirty minutes. So I, you know, it's sometimes those things that maybe we don't see so much." that are behind the scenes can have big effects. Well, that's interesting because we all talked about France ABC squads before the tournament, but today actually when we looked at the bench, we actually said beyond Komen, mm. they actually were a bit short of options, which was a very surprising situation to be in given, you know, even defensively they were they were literally short today. And Komen came on, I thought he did well, but then he's come off injured. Mm. So is there a question around the fitness? And, and another thing I kind of wanted to ask you guys when it comes to Pogba and Xhaka, players who haven't had great seasons kind of with their club teams. They go to international football. I don't know if it's because the pace of international football suits them more, if it's because they take a different role in the team or within the leadership. But do you guys ever have players in your career that just stepped up when it came to international football? And why was that? I think sometimes it comes to, um, you know, just a change of, of scenery, a change of climate. And, 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 and you have a different role in different teams. You know, at the club, you know, you, you got... You know, potentially fans on your back, or you know, Shaka has had a bit of fair bit of criticism. Uh, Pogba at times as well. You know, he, he's a divider of, of opinions, uh, but he also has a, they also have different roles, um, and and it's great to see that you can you can play differently and have different confidence. Uh, you know, when you change that, um, you know, I've got I don't know if Heather, if you've got some players that that you know you've experienced this with. Yeah, look, I, I think you've put it eloquently. Uh, Thomas, um, I, I would say it's a sense of belonging. Is yeah, at, nice. at a club, at a club, unless you've been there for a long, long time. In this day and age, it's very rare to see clubs um, investing in players, regardless ups, downs, injuries, whatnot. Um, you're a commodity, and basically, you'll be on sold to another club, um, depending on what you're worth. Um, Whereas for your national team, you're playing for the badge. That's where you're born. That's who you're playing for. You're playing for the fans. You're playing for that spirit of, mm. of the the national team and just so patriotic. I, th- I think the best example today in, in today's match was seeing Paul Pogba tapping Deschamps on, on the shoulder as he walked out for, for the second half of extra time. You could see the connection. You could see that he really wanted to do it for the manager and, and that showed. And I think that's a really big thing. And the fen- fr- French players were devastated. Griezmann mm. was in tears um, mm. just before the penalties uh, begun so you can see how much it means to them and I think that's playing for your national national team and also playing for the country and having the whole country behind you knowing that you're one of very few people representing your country I think it's such a, a big thing about belonging well, well said Griezmann's another one actually that mm. rises another couple of feet when he plays for France picking up your Deschamps point um, because you said he said after the game I take full responsibility do you think he has taken this team as far as he can because the other thing is we spoke yesterday Thomas and I about Fernando Santos with Portugal and being like can there be a manager come in that lets these stars off the leash if Zidane comes in we might even just see the France side actually play to the potential that they did in that 20-30 minutes where they were chasing the game because in that period they looked unstoppable yeah, absolutely. They've got the talent. They've they've got the quality. It's, I I just think they they just need to be. Um 
there needs to be more structure about it. And Deschamps, you can tell that he's a manager that's very calm. He was calm on the sideline. He was in control. His emotional stability is in control. He almost said, or he did say prior to the game, that um, he spoke with, with the senior players about changing the formation and how they were on board. And it's almost like he wanted buy-in from the mm. players. Yeah, that is great leadership. But maybe this French team, full of egos, full of arrogance, um, maybe this French te- team does need um, just a little bit of guidance, some structure um, on their roles and responsibilities. And that's one thing that I saw today um, that, that they just didn't have. And, and they were almost a little bit lost at times in the first half. Yeah, I just want to say on that arrogance point, just thinking about Kylian Mbappe. He was the golden boy in 2018. You know, he's just had a, a meteoric rise. Everything s- seems to have gone in his favour. And then you look at this tournament and you think, well, at the start of the tournament, he was fighting openly with Giroud in the press and that was coming out, that he was fighting with a, a much more senior teammate, even though he's obviously the more talented player. Then there was a story that he was going to take the free kicks and that he had asked to be on free kicks, even though he'd never scored a free kick in his professional career. Not, not for PSG, not for Monaco. Now the fifth penalty, I, I mean, I don't know if he was the one who said, I have to be the fifth penalty taker, but he did step up and, you know, good for him to do that. But I just wonder when it comes to his, you know, football, it, it's humbled him in this this tournament, has humbled him, you know. He hasn't had a good tournament. And I think it was a surprise because a lot of us probably tipped him as well to be one of the stars, one of the player of the tournaments. He, he, he is the talking point. He is the talking point from this from this. Yeah, I think you can look at it two ways there. You can look at it as arrogance, but I, I, I don't think that with him. I think he, he he's actually at a point where he is, you know, he knows his stature. He knows, obviously, his capabilities, and he's like, I need to take responsibility in this team. Uh, and sometimes, and that's a lesson he'll learn, sometimes you can, you know, you can take on too much. You know, you know, you still have to do your job. You can't, you can't single-handedly win games all the time. And... Um, you know, he'll go away from, from this. He'll bounce back. I've got, you know, but the, the question is when he ends up in that specific mm-hmm. moment in the future, in a Champions League final, in another important game for France, how does he react then? Does it come back to haunt him or does he just show leadership character and, and, and brush it aside and scores? This is an important chapter in his career, right? And I know you thought I was a bit harsh when I said that we'll have to see how he bounces back from it. But I think that's exactly right. I'm not saying he won't bounce back for it, but this is going to be part of his story now. What happens after the low of being the person who had the penalty that got France eliminated from the Euros? Yeah, most definitely. Look, if France got through today, then um, things would have been swept under the carpet and next game and let's get on with it. But Mbappe, this is going to be a really, really important point in his career. He's 21 years years old, this kid. And um, we can't say that lightly. He's Mm. had so much pressure on him. This is... With any with any defeat, with any obstacle, with with anything, you, you're going to learn as much as possible. And I know he he walked out. I, I wasn't impressed with his character. Um, he he walked basically down down the tunnel and 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 off into the change room. Now that's that's not a team player, and that's not gracious in defeat. But he, on, no doubt he'll look back on that and he he'll go, okay, what can I do better? Mm. And when he does step up for another penalty, because he will, because he's that caliber of player. I'm sure he'll be able to convert, and if he doesn't, he'll step up again because that's that's his his caliber. So um, yeah, look, I think he's he's um, definitely the villain. But just remember, he won France the World Cup in 2018, and he lost the Euro. <laughs> nice line, <laughs> nicely put. And it will be interesting to see where he has to bounce back. Will it be at Paris Saint Germain, or will it be somewhere else? And uh, that'll be all part of the distractions in the circus in the wash-up. A final word on Paul Pogba, who at, when that absolutely sumptuous third goal gets called into the top corner. We're saying this is a player at the peak of his powers right now. Probably the best player in the tournament 
he's set the benchmark. Someone has to now go past him beyond that. Um, what did you make of Pogba's tournament? And and I guess it's it's an interesting one because now this he's going to go return to club football and and there's going to be a lot of ice to see if he can re- reproduce this kind of form. Yeah, and I wonder if Solskjaer will look at this tournament and say. Well, there's a template to get the best out of him. You know, do I use it? And you look at someone like Bruno Fernandes, who was so good for Manchester United, not so good for Portugal. There, there'll be ramifications there. But it is an incredible tournament. You're right. He was on pace to be the player of the tournament, but I can't think of anyone who's won player of the tournament getting knocked out in the round no. 16, no matter how good your first four games are. So I'm mean, looking at the players that are still in there and you think that maybe maybe someone even like Pedri, who had a fantastic game for Spain this morning, or someone like, I don't know, a Locatelli or someone like that. It'll be interesting to see who overtakes him, but so far he has set the standard. i tell you what, the, the Ballon d'Or race is become absolutely perplexing because Lewandowski's uh, Poland are out. N'Golo Kante, who was so much of a shout for everyone, is gone. Pogba's out. Um, Kevin De Bruyne is injured. And I don't know. I, South I, I America, don't know what baby. happens look now. At, look yeah, at look at the Copa America. America. Look at the Copa America. Know. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Final word, guys, on that crazy game. Oh, we were certainly buzzing this morning because you don't take the world champions getting knocked out lightly. Final word from you guys on this game before we move on uh, to the ridiculous drum we saw earlier on in the morning. Nah, you know, hats off to Switzerland. You know, we can talk about France and, and yeah, they were a bit disappointing. But, you know, when you go out and you attack the world champions the way they did physically as a team structured uh, with belief and then take them all away and then overcome that as well, you know, hats off. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting uh, game against uh, Spain, I think. Uh, you know, that, that again, another challenge. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll be happy to face that. Yeah, I think I think we need to take our hats off to them. But what about Sefovic? Um, unbelievable to score score a double on, on this stage. No doubt he'll be worth a little bit more than what he was before this tournament. And by the way, Zuba, uh, four assists for the tournament. That's the most someone's ever done in a tournament ever. Equal and and winning the penalty as well. Outstanding. Yep, equals uh, Ramsey and Eden Hazard who did it previously. And then a very special mention to Jan Sommer. I think yes. in my view best goalkeeper up to this point in this tournament uh, you know obviously today he was a hero but he had several saves in a game you know in, in the previous games you know fantastic goalkeeping uh, cr- crucial saves in, in more or less all three games and uh, you know he'll be important as well going forward but yeah very 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 good performance awesome stuff great chat on that game if you haven't seen it hopefully that's given you a bit of a taste of it and if you haven't get online and have a look at the mini match and all the various highlights it was serious drama Right, we've made sense of that one. I'm not sure we'll be able to make sense of the earlier game. Spain, five, Croatia, three. What was actually bizarre about the morning is that both games took a very similar pattern. One nil up for the team that lost. The the, the more illustrious favourite opponent going three, one up, switching off and getting pushed to extra time. Where do we begin with this game? Thomas, let's begin at the beginning. 20 minutes of Spain control and then what happened? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, I don't think uh, you know Simon doesn't even know what happened there. Um, you know, he has a history of of uh, you know loss of concentration. Uh, he tends to maybe be a, a little bit arrogant. You know, too much belief in his own ability, and he takes his eyes slightly off the ball. You know, I know there was talks about you know you you got to you know in the back pass you got to hit it outside the goal and and but you got you know from he passes from more or less the halfway line you you you, you that's a basic skill to control that and uh, there's only him to blame for it and uh, but credit to him he came back strong he saved them in the extra time he actually had a blind of a game mm. after that so credit to him he never put his head down um, and and that's a big tick for me. It set the weirdly it set the game up beautifully because Spain dominated the first twenty minutes. Coque should have scored. Avara Morata again should have scored. They're one nil down after Croatia came to life. Five ten minutes they were on top. Spain found a stranglehold again and clawed their way back into the game. This is a team that's found its form after struggling or being a bit slow out of the blocks. I think one thing that really sums up Spain to me is Luis Enrique's belief in what he's doing. So whether it is passing back to your keeper. Yeah, he makes the mistake, but they keep doing it. They don't go, okay, we're not going to do that again the rest of the game because uh, Unai Simons had a shocker there. You know, he was. They kept passing it back to him with Morata. You know, there, there were so many calls to pull him mm. before the tournament, during the tournament. This game, he keeps him on. He scores that goal, that amazing goal mm. to put him up 4-3. Even at 3-3, they keep playing their style. So the constant belief in everything that Luis Enrique is doing, including his fashion sense on the sideline, <laughs> refuses hey, to wear I think he was going for a few drinks after it looked <laughs> he, like it. He upped it today. You could tell it was a knockout stage because the polo shirt was gone and, and the nice shirt came back out. He might look hey, as good Copenhagen. as Copenhagen. is a nice place. Uh. <laughs> no, but it's that constant belief in everything. And yeah. I think it's starting, that's why we're starting to see five goals scored yeah. because this team is feeling that belief. First time ever, by the way, it's team's done that in consecutive games. Sorry, you were going to say something not on fashion matters? No, no, again, but Morata, he could have pulled him because he actually, he missed a couple of, again, you know, we were talking about, is he going to get slammed again in the press? And then, you know, again, the character of the man and the belief from the manager, it shows that uh, it was the right decision to keep him on. Character is a really interesting trend from this game, H, because Unai Simon needed it in spades. And as Thomas alluded to, made an outrageous save in extra time, which we'll get to when we uh, finally get through the whole sequence of the game. Pablo Sarabia, Cesar Azpilicueta and Ferran Torres put Spain 3-1 up. But there was something really poignant for me was after Simon made the mistake, Cesar Azpilicueta, who was not the captain, Busquets is the captain, but obviously, as Bulaqueta is Chelsea captain, went up and talked to the goalkeeper, you know, mm. got him focused again. And it was as Bulaqueta who was involved in the second goal, arrayed, classic Spain move, and he was involved from halfway, surged downfield, and 31 years old, right back, bombing on to get his head on to put them 2 1 up. This game for me, which was full of roller coaster emotions, great football, but character. I thought that was a really strong theme of this game. Yeah, I thought it was. And when you get a own goal scored against you, normally your team would walk off and go, what, what have you done on the biggest stage? You know, this is this is such an important match. But it was just great to see the players swarm around him. And, um, yeah, look, I, I just think the game was so up and down. It was the character of Croatia to come back. It was mm. Spain being relentless in terms of their attack and, and sticking to what they know. And, look, they're a possession-based team. Even when they did even when they did concede, they bounced back and stuck to their guns, stuck to the stru- structure. We've just spoken about Murata. Um, honestly, his left foot volley, to be able to bring the ball down, to be able to um, allow the touch to come across him, to 
pivot volley basically into into the upper ninety or the top corner. Mm. It was just unbelievable. But he did that again. He almost he almost should have had a hat trick mm. in the game. He was phenomenal. So yeah, in, maybe, in every game he's played. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the thing about it is he gets himself into into positions um, that that are scoring goals and. You know, if you're hitting the target or trying to get in those those positions, that that's your role. But he was for me phenomenal today. Can I just say on Aspilicueta, I totally agree with the role he played, but also I thought it was really important because possibly when they left out Sergio Ramos, that was very controversial in mm. Spain, and one of the reasons was because they said. Well, Ramos, even if he's not fully fit, he brings leadership and character and stability and, and maybe settles the nerves. That's what Aspilicueta was doing today and I think really filled that role. He was, he was superb. Now, before we jump into Morata again, what happened when Spain were 3-1 up? Was it a bit like what happened with France? They thought they were home and hosed? Or I thought in that little period there, we saw the very best of Croatia who, when they got to 3-2, scared the bejesus out of Spain, got to 3-3, and if it was not for Simon... I think they were running over the top of Spain at the start of extra time. And I think we've, we've seen a, a trend in this tournament that like fitness plays a big role, substitutions at the right time. Uh, it was, probably wasn't 35 degrees in Copenhagen, but uh, you know you could see Spain dip slightly. He f- you know, th- there was about three or four substitutions from Croatia mm. and suddenly the momentum swung um, and, and uh, it became a little bit, they overpowered them, like you said, and... Uh, you know, great character. Uh, you can see they had a great uh, corner. They were attacking the Croatian fans as well, and and they fed off that. You know, so it was it was amazing to see. Um, you know, the character they showed. I think they were very happy to make the knockout stages. They said so. But Mislav Orsic, who you mentioned, who off the bench, Mario Palasic, they were immense. They changed the game, and um, you do wonder. If they, I know they were happy to make the knockout stage, but they might have a thought of what might have been, just given how good they looked in that period. That's a fantastic point, and that's the question that we asked ourselves. Why weren't they playing that quality football? Why weren't they playing on the front foot? And many teams in Euros are going to reflect on their their experience and um, them playing at the Euros and and going to say, why weren't we on the front foot? Why didn't we play that attacking style of football? Some of the football the Croatians played was absolutely phenomenal, and it was just great to see. It was entertaining. It was exactly the players. Modric was getting involved, mm. being that link player, um, cruising on the ball, h- hitting um, strikers, penetrating passes in behind. It was fantastic, but we only saw glimpses of that. Mm. Why, 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 when we're down, do we do we see not see that quality of football? I think it's the you know the the mental dynamic you know when when you're chasing when you're defending when you you got a lead that changes also you know you, then suddenly the you know, you know the fear of losing goes out of the ball because you're like oh, we're three three one down we, we might as well throw the kitchen sink at it so I think that has something to do with it but I agree with you like some some teams have to reflect on you know because they got the players I know they were missing Perisic I think it was a big loss for them yep. but other players stepped up and 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 you know. I think Switzerland showed as well. You don't need to be afraid. It doesn't matter who you play. Go, you know, live the chance like Austria did. You know, anyone can beat anyone. And and uh, I wish we had seen a few of the teams do that a bit more in the group stage, but now we see it. 100%. That's a great point. And, and, I, and I loved your point a bit earlier about Luis Enrique um, because not only does he stick to their guns, he's evolved Spain. Um, we saw that they were, ha- they were prepared to send crosses in. They were prepared to look a little bit longer if they had to. Busquets, who got man of the match for the second game in a row coming in, links fantastically with Pedri, who roused back into the game after, you know, he did play the pass. I know it wasn't his fault, but he did play the pass. By the way, on- 
who's got the who's got the longest goal than, than Pedri in this tournament? There's only one. I, I, th- I think he's still Patrick, Patrick Schick, Schick by half a yard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he would have been God who's like serious. <laughs> yeah, an own goal from 40, 47 yards or something, and one nil up with no shots on target. I mean, what a bizarre morning. Um, but I want to come back to Enrique because I want to come back to Morata to finish this game off because he was copping abuse. Mm. Right from from some well, I say fans in inverted commas during the week, and as I said yesterday, Thomas, we'll criticise him for his goal scoring misses on this show. But to go that step further, it's really unacceptable. And I actually, and I'm impartial in this in this game, and I cheered when Morata scored. I was so happy for him. So I love your perspective, Nick, just from uh, you know the journalistic point of view of the, the narrative of Morata scoring, and then from you two guys on the the character and the resilience and the focus needed to overcome that kind of bile from people throwing it at yourself and your family. Yeah, I mean, from zero to hero. Uh, th- that's what it is, and, and I think we love those stories. It doesn't matter which player it is. You know, Even Jaka this morning. I couldn't help but think when he was leading Switzerland in that game, of that time he was coming off against Arsenal and he was getting booed and he was throwing the armband and the shirt and everything. It's the same with Pogba. One of the reasons that we're so excited about his performance is because we've seen him be so criticised for Manchester United. And these tournaments, I think they're a great, you know, we call it reputation rehab. They come in, they're, they're not considered as good a player. Shakiri's another one for Switzerland and he steps up. So it's a wonderful story for Morata. There's still question marks over him. He still needs to go that, you know, the next game is crucial. And I'm telling you, in Spain, even if they make it all the way to the final and Murata misses the chance that, you know, loses the final to him, he'll get hammered again. But you're right. It's it's an evolution. I think, you know, we in the media criticise for what happens on the field. You know, memes start to turn up and mm. get spread everywhere. Then the comments get really hateful. Mm. And like he was saying, you, you, your family experiences abuse and it gets horrible like that. And it, it's, it's very unfortunate, but it is what happens in football now. Yeah, and that, that has to be a, a clear line. You know, fair play, you, you know, as professionals, you know, me and Heather, as both live it, you know, you get criticised and sometimes heavily and unfairly. and But that's part of the game. You have to take it on board and just move on. But when it then steps outside the, 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 the lines and becomes directed at your family, your kids, then it it's... You know that that shouldn't happen, and and um, it, it's sad to see, really, and and that, that people will go to to that extent to to you know to hurt someone. And I think we saw it with with the goal. You could see how all the players mm. got around him. You can even see his, his emotion. There was a little bit of gesturing to like you know have this, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and I, I love fair to enough. see. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. And 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 that the players you know got around him. You know, so he he knows he's in a safe environment. He obviously got great uh, support from the manager, and uh, you know, again, I, I think he has a very big role to play going forward. Uh, he'll he'll come good, I think. Yeah, I think that you've hit the nail on the head there, Thomas. Um, it's it's about yeah. There's obviously going to be outside noise as a professional. You you expect to to get criticised, especially if you're not stepping up to to your role. Um, but the most important thing as a professional is to know that you've. Uh, your teammates have got your back and your manager's got your back. So Enrique, to keep him on, even though he struggled a bit to start off with in, in, in the first first little bit of the game, but to know that your manager's got your back, regardless if, you, if you're having a, a bit of an off day. And let, look, let, let's face it, he, he, he misses one in three. Um, but in saying that, to score a double and then could also score a hat-trick, I think that was so important for him and the morale of the team. But most importantly, show, sh- the sh- show of belief mm. um, within the with amongst the, the group of players and the manager. And I think that's the key point. And as a result, Spain have built into the tournament. And you don't win the tournament in your first two games. 
And what Enrique has done is he's stuck by the guy that he knows needs to be his focal point up front, and he's found other solutions. So Morata did get the go ahead, the goal in the extra time today, but goals against Slovakia, goals in normal time here, they came from other sources. Sarabia, as was Azpilicueta. So we build nicely then to talk quickly about Spain against Switzerland. Now, we weren't expecting that matchup, but again, we've got a really tasty matchup. And as much as I expect Spain to dictate the ball again, they're going to come against the Switzerland side, who we've seen right now are not going to shirk anything in this contest. I think it's going to be a very tough game for Spain. Um, Spain is a really interesting team in terms of the first two games. They were creating all those chances. They weren't scoring. Now they've scored five goals and five goals. And if you do look a little bit back to their Nations League form, you know they were smashing Germany and they smashed Argentina 6-1 in a friendly. So there are goals in them, even if it's, you know, Morata is struggling or something like that. But Switzerland, I mean, after this, the confidence must be so high. So I think it could go any which way. By the way, I just remember what I said on yesterday's podcast. I said, there's no such thing as a sure thing in the Euros, but France against Switzerland has to be the closest thing we've got to it. <laughs> <laughs> go home. Go home, hey, Dave. That's the end of you. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, you know, it, it, they'll come up against, like they were today, a physical side uh, with two, you know, Mbolo and, and Seferovic up front who be hard to handle. Uh, we saw they struggle with, with crosses coming into the box. Um, you know, other, you know, Laporte, you know, I'm not always 100% mm. sure. And, uh, you know, Switzerland will have chances. Um, so it's going to be, I think it's going to be another exciting game. The key thing is is recovery. Both teams have just played 120 minutes, so not one has the edge. But in terms of the physical side of things and fitness side of, side of things, you could see Switzerland that were almost out outpowering mm. um, France today. So I, I think they may have the edge, obviously not from a possession point of view. Um, but you'd have to say, you'd have to build confidence, confidence from that performance. And they don't just want to be in the next next stage. They want to keep going until the end. This is their first knockout win since 1954. So let's they, they can keep it going. Hey, Laporte or Longley? Who do you think France well, are yeah. right now? I mean, this is it. I think I'd prefer Laporte, I think, at this stage. Langley, I was surprised he started France. He had an awful season for Barcelona. He made maybe yeah. 10 mistakes this season that cost Barcelona points. Yeah. So for him to play in this big game, even in a back three, it was a huge surprise choice. But one thing I want to say is I'm sure there are plenty of people listening who over the last two weeks have been talking to their partner or their boss or their friend and they're saying, why are you getting up at 2am again? Why are you getting up at 5am? I thought you watched the game this morning. Why are we watching a mini-match? What, what's going on? And now today you go, this is why yeah, we do it. Yeah. This is why we're struggling at work or we're not fully present in our relationships because this morning was like, this is worth this getting is up it. for any time, any day. Yeah, how good. Well, can it get topped? Well, we have England-Germany at 2am coming up uh, tomorrow if you listen to us in reaction to the game today. And we'll preview that briefly now. And I don't even know where to start because this is just this is just football theatre with history and so many stakes and an incredible opportunity for one of these two teams because, uh, you know, we joke about the draw, Thomas, no, and there's no disrespect to other teams in there, but it is, it is the draw that does not have, uh, you know, it, it is the lighter side of the draw. Um, to start with, Gareth Southgate. We always talk about England selections, and we're going to go into this game and we still don't know what he's going to do. Does Gareth Southgate change formation to take on Germany in this game and play a back three, um, which is what they're saying out of the UK he has prepared for coming into this contest? You know, I just hope he, 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 they come out a lot more positive. You know, let, let take the shackles off some of these players. Uh, you, know, it, you know, it's just frustrating to see a team, a little bit sometimes where, you know, with France, so many good players... 
so little to show for it. And, uh, you know, I just hope they really just go out and attack Germany because they are weak at the back. Uh, that's, uh, you know, and they lack direction. Um, so, you know, I think actually go like for like and, you know, if they're prepared for it, Go for it. Hard. You're on this game tomorrow, H? Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm, I'm pumped for this game. Obviously, oh, there's plenty of England folk out there that are, that are going to be up at 2 a.m. in the morning and, and German supporters as well. But for this game, the the, the, the talking point, the talking point has been is, is Harry Kane and not stepping up. You certainly cannot drop that man. He no. is a leader. Bridgie wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was a bit emotional. We but might have got him at a good time. Just then. so he's, he can get into the team himself. Yeah. I think. <laughs> <laughs> he's hoping for a call-up. But, but this, is a, this is a player. That, yeah, they, they may change the formation, but they need to play better. They, they have to play better than what, what they, what they have, have done. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the formation is changed again. Or will it be the talking point um, if they do go down? Um, but one thing's for sure is we need to see quality football from England because they're They've they've been similar to France, just going through the motions. We see glimpses of quality. Mm. Um, sometimes we don't. Um, but I think the flanks and 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 utilising the flanks tomorrow is going to be key against Germany. So on that, do you think he will go with all out pace, whether it's a sucker and a Sterling, or do you think a Phil Foden comes in back in back into the team tomorrow? It'd be great to see Foden. He obviously links up really well. Great young player. Um, you know, very sort of box to box player. Um, Sterling, you know, he's performed at the start of the tournament. Um, you know, he can score from anywhere. I, I, I'm not too sure. Um, but for Southgate, he, he just needs to he just needs to find and set who it is that, that he needs to start. I, I find it difficult with managers that are chopping and changing in the middle of the tournament. If you haven't done your homework and if you haven't got a set starting lineup, that you can change it and tweak a few different players. Um, but the key thing is, is is just so the players understand their roles. And I keep talking about roles and structure. But that's the teams are progressing in this tournament because they know their roles and responsibility, and obviously the players that come off the bench they know what their job is. At the moment, I think England are all over the shop. Well, there is uh, plenty of talk in both camps about selection for Germany. There's a big clamour for Leon Goretzka to come in for Ulkay Gundogan, uh, Gundogan, I should say, and in the England camp, will Mason Mount be thrown back in given he has been training by himself and in isolation given the COVID-19 precautions they took. The ones I just mentioned to H before in terms of the flanks, the back three, um, a lot to think about. What are you expecting, Nick? And also H talked about the style. Thomas talked about come out. Are we going to see the control of England against the chaos of Germany? How do you expect it to play out? Yeah, it's really interesting. I thought it was uh, really interesting to hear from Raf Honigstein uh, on this podcast when he was talking about the Hungary game and how Germany has gone from being a team that was all about the collective and collective strengths. And even if they had individual weaknesses, it would be kind of masked over by the strength of the collective. Now it's the opposite. Now they rely on their individuals. So it might be a really tight game and it might be decided by that one moment of, of brilliance from a, a Serge Gnabry, a, a Thomas Muller, something like that. It's going to be a top game. What I think is going to happen is penalties. And we know what happens when it's England and Germany and penalties. <laughs> I think Phil Foden was asked and he was like, oh, I, you know, I, I wouldn't like penalties. So, so that's already uh, a one-up Germany there. Where do you think Gautzaka goes if it goes to penalties? Do you think he <laughs> He's not <laughs> taking one himself, I think. That's, that's <laughs> He'll be reminiscing. Oh, my God. But also, what a story if they finally do overcome yeah. it oh, with course. him as the coach. Against well. Germany. You know, against oh. Germany. Oh. And, and then the confidence that that gives you. And we know that side of the draw – you do feel, and you don't want to be too disrespectful, and we have seen upsets, but whoever wins out of that, good path to the final there. Like, do, do you know, H, you mentioned that England have been all over the shop, and I think in a way I wonder if they can, this might sound ridiculous, use that to their advantage in that they, have been, they haven't been going gung-ho, they've just been really solid. 
not spectacular. And they're probably up against a Germany side who have been a yo-yo, have been fantastic, then abysmal in parts and, and pulled it out of the fire against, against Hungary. And I wonder whether England are banking on a solidity to get them through here while Germany maybe, you know, we don't know what incarnation of them will get tomorrow. I, it, it's very, very hard to predict. Can we make some predictions? You're saying penalties. And then what happens? Redemption, the great storyline. No, no, it's Germany. Germany all the way. <laughs> Thomas? You know, I, I sadly think that England will put on a defensive performance and, and scrape out a very narrow win. Um, <laughs> sadly. Uh, yeah, you know, because I want to see, like, it's, it's so frustrating. You know, I was yeah. sitting there watching England with all the players we know from the Premier League, how great and... And then nothing happens. Mm. You know, that's that's the frustrating part. I want I want England to win, but I don't want them to win in you know in that boring fashion. I want England to win as well and I want Harry Kane to be the hero. Get his redemption story like Murata here today. I think England will win, but I don't think we'll see the flair. I think we'll see them pragmatically get over the line and, and I don't know, maybe Germany will come out on their day and play like they did against Portugal. You you never know. You never know. Guys, oh wait, we forgot one game. The 5M game tomorrow, Sweden against Ukraine. We can't forget that one. Main because, game. Do you know what? Huge game. <laughs> I would it be loath to forget about that because we have not seen, well, I think we've seen one ordinary game in the entire tournament. Um, and Sweden against Ukraine, the opportunity for both of these sides is absolutely extraordinary. And what it comes down to is the theme we spoke about at the beginning of the podcast, identity. Few teams have a stronger identity as Sweden and they will go into this thinking this is a massive opportunity for them, Thomas. Yeah, and I think they're coming good at the right time. You know, they're getting a couple of players back. Kulishevsky came in, you know, young and it'd be fantastic in transition. Um, you know, Isaac we've seen, you know, individually, he can he can do it on his own. And then Forsberg, you know, a couple of goals, assists. And then they're just organized, four four two. They've been playing that for years and uh they know their exact roles in, in, in that structure. So I think they'll be, you know, they'll be, uh, you know, too good for Ukraine, I think. One thing I think is really interesting about Sweden is, you know, they lost Ibrahimovic in the 2018 World Cup and there was talk, oh, you don't have Ibra. What is Sweden going to do? And then even, for, and they made the quarterfinals. And then even, you know, this tournament, Ibra was injured. Oh, they don't have mm. Ibra. What are they going to do? And they're doing really well. Mm. And sometimes we look at these teams who have the one superstar, the Cristiano Ronaldo for Portugal, the Lionel Messi for Argentina, and so much is focused about feeding them the ball and, and building a whole team around the amazing individual that it hurts the collective. And sometimes when they leave, actually it improves the team mm. because everyone can participate. So it's just an interesting little kind of case study yep. uh, in that kind of collective v individual battle. And they'll be very hard to beat if they get through. Ukraine have absolutely nothing to lose. And we saw against the Dutch, they can pull, uh, pull out some absolute magic when they have to. So looking forward to, to another massive, massive night ahead. Guys, that's all we've run out of time for because Nick, you're on Copper America duty. So you've got to run to Bolivia versus Argentina and anyone listening can read about that and the group stage on the Optusport app a little bit later on today and also see all the highlights, mega match, minis, whatever you whatever you want to do later on today. So get your skates on. Thomas H, we've had a great time. Thanks for a great day. It's been amazing. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being on. Good stuff. Everyone out there, as I always say, until the next episode of the Gagan Pod, enjoy your football.